Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Nathan Harris. I am the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. And whether you're a guest or a regular here at Celebration Center, thank you for making us part of your Sunday morning. Look, I know that even in this stay-at-home order, you could have done a lot of different things, but you chose to be here, to join with us, to, to hear this message. Maybe it was simply because you needed a breakup of the monotony, or maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe you need to hear some other voices in your life, whatever it is, thank you. Thank you for joining with us. I'm really excited about this morning because we are continuing a message series where we are exploring a short letter in the New Testament. And this letter is what we call Philippians. It was written by a guy named Paul. He's he's called an apostle, which simply means that he's sent. He represents God, and he's he's tasked with delivering God's message into the world. So it's written by the apostle Paul, and it's written to a bunch of Christians in a city called Philippi. Now, this group of Christians were a, a group of people that Paul was very uh, fond of. They were very dear to him. They were good friends. With one another, both because they had a shared past together. Paul had spent a, a bit of time there in that city. He planted or started this particular church. All right, and 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 out of this time that they spent together, they they grew uh, into friendship with each other. But they're also friends because of their shared mission. Paul and the Philippians were partners in. The gospel, and we're going to see more of what it means to be partners uh, as we move forward this morning. Now, last week we looked at the tone Paul set for this entire letter, and we looked only at chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And we looked at the, this tone both in terms of the way Paul talks to his hearers and the friendship that he addresses them with, the, the warmth, the affection that he not only thinks about them or feels toward them, but the in, in just also in the way that he addresses them. It's a tone of friendship. But he also spells out a tone in terms of how we live our lives. All right? It's kind of like, what music do you dance to figuratively in your life? Meaning, what is the storyline you are living out? And so Paul sets that tone as well. Now, if you missed last week's message, I encourage you go to our website, ccpuallup.com. You can scroll down to the bottom of the page, click on either the sermon podcast link, or you can click on the YouTube link there, and it'll take you to our YouTube channel, and you can get caught up on uh, this message series. I encourage you to do that. This week, we're going to continue to hear those messages all right, those overall tones that Paul speaks of and describes um, as he describes his, his feelings and, and a prayer that he has for th these people who are so dear to him. And we, frankly, are going to be challenged to live the gospel. All right, now we need to remember that the gospel is not merely that we are saved. It includes that we are saved. The gospel is not merely how we get saved by faith in Jesus, though it includes that. The overall picture of the gospel for the Apostle Paul is the good news that God has at long last fulfilled his promises. He's kept his promises, and he's done it all through his servant, through the Messiah, Jesus Christ.
All right, so here's our passage for this morning. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, a larger passage than we looked at last week. So you, if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I'm going to read out of the NIV, the New International Version. Here it is. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, there is a lot in this passage so much so that for our purposes this morning, we're just not going to be able to cover all of it or go into depth about all of it. And I may not even cover your favorite aspect of these verses. If you've been in the church or uh, a Christian for any length of time, there's probably a few things, even in this short passage, that are like, oh yeah, the, that's some of my favorite stuff that I, that I hear about in the Bible. I may not be able to cover that all very deeply this morning. But there are a few things that I think we need to key on all right, in this challenge to live the gospel, to live this message. Hey, guess what, world? God, the good God, has fulfilled his promises through Jesus. All right, to put that on display. Here's the first thing that we need to have clear in our minds that we need to gra uh, grapple with and, and that we need to live out. Number one, to live the gospel, we must live in thanksgiving, prayer, and joy. To live the gospel, we must live in thanksgiving, prayer, and joy. This is all about how our lives are oriented toward God, how we worship Him, how we interact with Him, the way in which we are uh, connecting with God, okay? Here's what Paul said. I want to back up to Philippians 1, 3 through 4. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Basically, he says here, listen, every time I pray for you, this is what I'm praying for all of you. None of you are my favorites. I'm doing this for all of you guys. All right? And he talks about these three big things, thanksgiving, prayer, and joy. These three are hallmarks of Paul's spirituality, the way he relates 
to God, the way he worships him, the practices he has in place as he comes to God in worship. As a matter of fact, Paul has spoken of these three things before. He, he spoke to them, to a group of Christians in another city at another time. And we see this in, in the letter of 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Paul gives a series of imperatives that belong together in a package. They're, they're all part of something he's commending to them and really kind of commanding them to do, okay? Here it is, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He said, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This command that Paul gave in 1 Thessalonians that he gave as a command, that he commended to people. He didn't just commend and then go about living his own way of life. No, he commended this to, to the, the church, to, to the Thessalonians, but then he lives it out in front of the Philippians. He, he lives out this prayer, this rejoicing, this thanksgiving. To be, you guys, to be able to live in thanksgiving prayer and joy means that we're going to have to live with a good perspective. You see, for Paul, when he wrote Philippians, at the time that he was living this out in front of them, he was in prison. Things were bleak. Get, being locked up in a Roman prison was not good news. The Romans didn't provide food for you. The Romans didn't provide anything for you. This was all up to other people bringing them to the prison for you so that you would be able to eat, so that you would have what you needed, so that you could continue to live even in prison. This was pretty dark, bleak stuff, okay? But in prison, this is what he's engaging in, this thanksgiving, prayer, and joy. He's continuing to worship God, and, and his circumstances didn't dictate whether or not he did that. It's the same thing for us. If we are going to engage in this life, in, in living the gospel, and living in thanksgiving, prayer, and joy, we have to have a perspective that goes above our circumstances. Last week, one day for my son, things were just not going well. It seemed like uh, he was getting disappointed at, at almost every turn. Uh, and and there for a while, it, it seemed like everything coming out of his mouth was a complaint. It, his his attitude was just going downhill. I, I can't say that I totally blame him. I have experience doing this myself. I bet you have as well. But it, it made for a really hard day because his his station, his his attitude, his perspective was all tied into his circumstances. When our main focus is on, is on our situations and how much they are or are not going our way, then we are going to be driven by how good or bad things are, and our attitude is going to demonstrate that. It doesn't matter if you're a half-glass-full kind of a person or a half-glass-half-empty uh, uh, glass kind of a person. If because in either one of those, what we're doing is we're looking for some circumstance, something that to either complain about or to have a silver lining about. What I'm saying, what Paul is saying, is that we need to raise above. Our perspective needs to go above any of our circumstances and be fixed solely on our good 
God. If our main focus is on our good God, what he has provided, how he has loved us, the way he has been faithful to us, regardless of how hard or difficult or even joyous our circumstances are, then we are going to be able to, to live out the gospel. And in fact, our circumstances will not drive us, but our love for God will. When we're focused on our good God, we can be thankful in all situations. When we're focused on our good God, we can pray knowing he hears us because we know he's good. We've experienced his goodness. When we're focused on our good God, we can be joyful no matter what is happening because we know that he is with us. Listen, life is still going to be hard. There are still going to be times when circumstances deteriorate, where we encounter difficulty, but we will be able to live the gospel by living out thanksgiving, prayer, and joy as we are focused on God and His goodness. Maybe this week you need to take a passage in the Bible and meditate on it over and over again. A great one to use would be Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Verse 8 says, while we were still sinners, in other words, while we were still shaking our fists at God and cursing God, God demonstrated his love for us in this. He sent Christ to die for us. That's how he loved us. That's how his circumstances of, of seeing how we were against him didn't deteriorate his love for us. He went ahead and loved us anyway. And now we can focus on his goodness because of that. Maybe you need to take that passage. And as you do that, as you meditate on that, as you, as you live that out, as you think about that, as you dwell on that, you're going to begin doing one of our values here at Celebration Center, which is to pursue Jesus. This is a very practical way of doing this. And you're going to, from there, be able to enter into this lifestyle of thanksgiving, of prayer, and joy, no matter where you're at. To live the gospel, we must live in thanksgiving, prayer, and joy. And we do that by focusing on our good God. Number two, to live the gospel, we must live in mutual friendship. To live the gospel, we must live in mutual friendship. A while back, long before uh, we moved here to the Puyallup area, uh, my wife and I tried to cultivate a friendship with another couple. We invited them to our house and had dinner with them. We, we invited them to go out uh, to go grab dinner and a movie, just to hang out, be humans, have fun, all of that kind of a thing. And, and we did that with them a couple of times, but, but then we started getting the brush off. And, and none of our uh, invitations to them were reciprocated. So it was all a one-way friendship. You guys, real friendships exist in a give-and-take relationship. It isn't one way. It isn't one person doing all of the pursuing or all of the inviting or, or all of the whatever. It's both going both directions. There's a mutuality of giving and receiving. And that's what Paul and the Philippians had. Here's what Paul said in Philippians 1, 5 
through eight. He's just said, hey, every time I pray for you, I, I, I thank God and I pray this for you and I'm full of joy. He picks it up in verse five because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long or or how I'm concerned for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You see, Paul bases his friendship with the Philippians on their shared past. Again, he planted this church. He started it, and, and they grew close together in friendship in this process. But he also bases his friendship with the Philippians on a shared mission. Paul preaching the gospel and the Philippians providing support materially for him. In other words, sending gifts and money and, and all kinds of things to him, all while they are living the gospel right where they are at, within their own context, bringing God's rule and reign to the city of Philippi. You know, my closest friends are people I have a shared past with. We've got a history together because there's there's this length of time that we've been friends, right? But also, we've had some shared experiences together. We've been through some stuff together. We've had to rely on each other, encouraging and building each other up as we each have needed, needed it. So there's been this give and take. That's the kind of thing Paul is talking about when he uses the words partnership and share. The Greek word here is koinonia, which can be translated fellowship. And it means that they are working for and toward the same thing. Yes, there are these feelings of friendship. There is this mutual, uh, genuine affection for one another, but it moves beyond just affection for one another into a work that they are both doing together, each doing their own part. What they have partnered together in is the gospel. Paul's passion was the gospel, this very message that God has at long last fulfilled his promises through Jesus, the Messiah. And this became, as as they partnered together, this became the passion of the Philippians as well, where they were partnering together in this gospel, where the Philippians were living their part right where they were at, where Paul was doing what what he needed to write where he was at. Paul in prison preaching and defending the gospel and the Philippians living within the city of Philippi, being God's people right there, bringing God's rule and reign right where they were at. You know, I, I'm, it's kind of like my wife partnering with me in ministry, which she does. 
here at Celebration Center. One way she does that is to proof my sermons, to offer suggestions on how I can make things more clear. Listen, you guys, some of the coherent things that you get out of any messages that, that I preach are because of her. She's offered me insight. She's given me perspective. She said, hey, have you thought about this? She partners with me that way. But she also partners with me in overseeing our Adventureland Kids Ministry. She takes care of things that I can't give my full attention to. There are other leaders here at Celebration Center who do that as well, who oversee other areas where I cannot give my full attention to those things, yet they are pulling with me in the gospel to accomplish the larger mission. We are partners together. I can't do what I do all by myself. I need the input of my wife and other leaders. I need the perspective of my wife and other leaders. You guys, as believers, we cannot live the gospel by ourselves. We need each other. We need encouragement from each other. We need correction from each other. We just need each other. Our greatest danger th comes when we think that we can do it alone. And the way we talk about this here at Celebration Center is through our value, better together. We want to live this out. We want to have these genuine friendships that, yes, are full of affection, but also means that we're partnering together. We are in full fellowship with one another, meaning that we're pulling in the same direction at the same pace and for the same goal, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. To live the gospel, you guys, we must live in this mutual friendship. Number three, to live the gospel, we must live the future now. To live the gospel, we must live the future now. I remember a time my son was about three years old and we were planning to go on a vacation. Sorry, not trying to make anybody depressed here, okay? <laughs> it seems like forever since we've been able to plan a vacation. But uh, we were planning a vacation to go to Grandma Gale's. And Caleb, like I said, he was about three. He was super excited, and he started thinking about the future, what he needed to get there, and, and what he was going to need when he got there. So what does he do? He goes and he gets his favorite stuffed animal. He throws it in a backpack. He goes and he gets his favorite Disney planes toys, and he throws those in his backpack. And he goes and he gets his, his uh, little toy guitar, Okay, and he throws that in his backpack because you never know who's going to want to hear some tunes from a three-year-old, right? And then he thinks, man, I might need some clothes. So he grabs some socks out of his drawer and he throws those in his backpack and he says, mom and dad, I'm ready to go. Caleb, in his three-year-old way, was preparing for the future in the present. In our passage this morning, we're introduced to this very idea in verse 6, where uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says, I'm confident that this, this good God who began this good work in you, all right, so this God who begins things is going to bring it to completion. In other words, he's going to finish it. And we're looking to that sometime down into the future. We don't know when. Or, or how exactly that's going to look, but we know because he's good that he's going to complete it. He's the one who starts things and the one who will complete things. And then this is here is what Paul says 
about this in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. He says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here's what this means. Paul prays that their love, their love, not, not in terms of ooey-gooey feelings, but their service toward one another within the context of fully knowing each other, warts and all. Let's face it, it, it gets pretty hard when you're uh, in, a, in a community like we are right now, where you're living with the same people day after day, dealing with the same things maybe day after day, the same warts day after day, and, and you go a little bit mad and crazy and you just want to scream and get away, right? Paul says here, within this context of knowing each other intimately, warts and all, I pray that your love, your service, demonstrated through acting on behalf of one another, will grow more and more. He prays that their knowledge of God, their, their experienced relationship with Him, and wisdom in all things moral will grow and, and, and abound more and more. He doesn't say that they don't they aren't already doing this. He says that it's going to continue to grow, that the upward trajectory is going to continue to go on and on, so that they will be able to know how to proceed within the specific situations they find themselves in. It's it's like the time I drove from my parents' house in Oregon to Clear Lake, Iowa. 1998, there was no GPS. Well, there might have been, but it was super expensive. And I was a poor college student, and there was no way I was going to be able to uh, afford that. So in order to get from Oregon to, to Clear Lake, Iowa, I did what... what the, the best thing that I knew to do. I, I went out to the store and I bought one of those Rand McNally road atlases. And then on, on the pages that I needed to, I dog-eared them so I knew how to get to those pages. I traced in highlighter my route, the main route, so I knew what interchanges I needed to take and how to get from one uh, interstate to another one and, and to get around big cities and all that kind of a thing. It gave me direction. It told me how to get where I wanted to go. The, the righteousness or the right living Paul speaks of, expressed through maturity full of the Spirit's fruit and lived in a cruciform or, or cross-marked life, which we're going to hear more about that as we continue through Philippians. But this kind of life comes only through intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's the only kind of righteousness that brings glory to God. You guys, the idea in all of this is that we are preparing for the future. Now, Paul is saying you're bringing the future into the present as you continue to grow more and more. And so this is my prayer for you, that you would grow more and more in this. 
that you become more of what God has already made you to be. When you're saving for retirement, you have to think about what it is you want life to look like when you get there, right? And then you need to go talk to some people who have been down the road ahead of you or have some expertise in that area. And from there you plan and you save based on that plan, on where you want to go. And what Paul is talking to the Philippians about, he's saying something very similar. When Jesus comes back, life is going to look much different than it does right now. Right now, we live in this kind of time in between time. Theologians call it the already not yet. All right? There are still aspects of life that are broken Okay, where bad things happen, where people do horrible things to one another. And yet, at the same time running right next to that, there is this aspect of new life that has already begun because of Jesus Christ. So we're not completely there yet, but one day we will be. Paul's prayer for the Philippians is that they will continue in the upward trajectory so that they will live more and more in what will be, and that as they do, they're living the gospel out. If you and I are going to live the gospel where we are, we will need to live the future. Now we're going to need to grow in that. The challenge for all of us is to live the gospel, and we do that by focusing on our good God, so we can worship and relate through thanksgiving, prayer, and joy. We live the gospel by partnering with the body of believers, with the church, in mutual friendship, where we are in genuine, authentic friendship with each other, and we are on a shared mission with one another. We live the gospel by living the future now. And maybe what we need to do is for ourselves pray this exact prayer that Paul prayed in verses 9 through 11. Pray that for ourselves and pray that for one another. Pray that for our kids. Pray that for people that we lead. Okay? What might life look like if we did this? if we lived the gospel this way, if we answered the challenge to live the gospel. Now, all of this comes as we love God and others, and we are empowered by the Spirit, who is God's actual presence with us, empowering us, encouraging us, building us up into this life. The only question we have to answer is not how do we earn this, but will we answer the challenge? Will we step out and follow Jesus in the life of the gospel? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for your life, for your goodness, for your grace. You are good. Sometimes it's, it's easy to forget about that based on our circumstances. I pray that you would help us 
to live the gospel by living above our circumstances and, and focusing on your goodness so that we can live in thanksgiving, prayer, and joy and practice those things on our own, but also with each other. That you would help us to live the gospel by genuinely being affectionate toward one another, but also partnering together in our shared mission. That you would help us to live the life of the gospel by your spirit as you increase our ability to love more deeply, to know your ways more intimately, to know you more intimately, that we would grow in that and live the life of the future now. Help us in this, we pray. Maybe you haven't yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want to. You want to live in light of, of these things, but you also want to experience the love that the Father has and, 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 and that he freely gives. So I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it your own. Father, here I am. Make me your child. I give you my life. I exchange my vision of life for your vision of life. I pray that you would bring me into your family that you would help me to live the gospel, that you would connect me with other believers, that I would find intimate relationship there with you and with others, that you would produce your life in me. I want to live for you. Father, for anyone who made that prayer theirs, I ask that you would shower your grace and your love on them, that they would know, that they would be able to feel deep in their bones the joy you have over them because they are your child, simply because you love them more than anybody else possibly could, and that you would empower them from this day on to live for you as part of your people on mission together. God, for all of us, I, I ask that. Help us to live for you in light of your love, in light of your goodness, and because of our, our care and concern for one another. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, if, if you made the choice to either... Uh, commit to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're recommitting your life to him, go ahead in your upper right-hand corner, if you're watching live right now, you can click on the communicate with us or the contact us tab, and just let us know. Fill out the information there, check the box that says that you committed your life to Christ, and I would love to be able to communicate with you. That way, if you're, if you're not watching live, you can simply email me at nathan at uh, ccpuallup.com. That's Nathan at ccpuallup.com. And let me know. I would love to chat with you. I'd love to video chat with you if you want or encourage you or pray with you or whatever. I just want to hear your story. You guys, I want to connect with you. And that goes for all of you 
really. If you need some connection, if you need some encouragement, I would love to pray with you. I would love to connect with you. Uh, go ahead and email me and let's set up a time. I, I will make time to, to video chat with you, to, to encourage you, to pray with you. Um, I, I want to help you guys right now. I know life is difficult, uh, but I also know that God is with us. All right? And we get to live the life of the gospel now, right where we're at. Guys, thank you so much for being with us. And I will look forward to continuing our time in Philippians next week. Have a great, great week, you guys.